0: would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, we thank you for this day. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the time and the opportunity to come here and once again hear from your word and hear about the life that you bring, the reversal of the curse that, that only you bring. So Lord, open our ears to the truth and the grace that you provide. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Good morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Dave. I'm the site pastor at Trinity Kimberly Way, or, sorry, Galewood. I'm not going to say anything after that, so. Uh, I am gladly at uh, Trinity Galewood, and uh, it is an honor to be here again uh, with you this morning. And we are continuing this series called Apps for Life, where we're looking at popular apps. Uh, on our cell phones. And uh, over these uh, four weeks, we're really focusing on just four big apps that, that are common that we see on most people's cell phones. And Pastor Nick had already mentioned this, but we had talked about last week that technology is a reflection of us. The very technology that we have in our culture today is a reflection of what we value, what we desire to be, and and it shows us a little bit more about who we are. And last week, uh, Pastor Nick was talking about this application, the camera on your phone. And if you remember, he gave us this great challenge that comes, because every uh, phone now, smartphone, iPhone, Galaxy phone, anything like that, comes with two cameras on it, right? There's the camera that's known as the selfie camera, and if you don't know what a selfie is, then I don't know where you've been living the last five years, right? There's the selfie camera that is a reflection of us, and we kind of live in this selfie culture. Where we like to just take pictures and photographs of ourselves. But the challenge was that that it's not that we just focus on the selfie camera. Not that it's a bad thing. But when that becomes our only focus, we miss the heart of what we're called to be as well. That we're called to use the other camera. To focus outward. And the reason that we do that is this is how Jesus lived. This was the life that he lived coming here for you and me. Not just focusing on himself. And if you remember last week, we began in this place, the Garden of Eden, where our story, the story of this world, all begins. And in the very beginning, there's Adam and Eve. God creates Adam and Eve, and he tells them to work the garden, to name the animals, and it was good. It was a little bit easier. It was the way things were meant to to be. But then comes the temptation. You remember this, Genesis chapter 3, Satan shows up in in the form of a serpent and he tempts Adam and Eve and he wins this temptation by saying that you will be like God if you eat from this one tree that God instructed you not to eat from. And they did it out of selfish ambition because they wanted to be like God. And We read, though, from this very moment that there seems to be these curses then when God finds out that this happens. And things kind of change from Genesis 3 on. Uh, Look at these words here in Genesis 3.17. It says, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, and though you will eat of its grains, by the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. We see that one of the curses that comes from this disobedience, one of the curses that you and I live in today is that life is going to be a little bit more difficult The very food that we get is going to be a little bit more difficult to get at and produce. And we see that inside of our culture, as a result of this, there's this constant uh, desire to reverse the curse. Right? When we read these words, we think, well, I'm not really excited about things being more difficult. In fact, as American people, we like things to be convenient and easy and fast. Amen? Amen. We want things to just come and be there right away. And ever since Genesis chapter 3, we are trying to reverse that curse even with the very place that we live here today. Now, this reversal of this curse, the working of the land and the difficulty of it, comes in many different forms and fashions. Some of the more mature people on staff have told me about this catalog. <laughs> Montgomery Ward, right? Uh, I don't know if like matching suits were ever a thing, but that's pretty awesome. This catalog that was brought out for, for the purpose of like, making it more convenient, making it more easy. All of a sudden, your matching suit would show up at your house. Then came on Walmart, right? The super center. Because we didn't want to just have to go to the grocery store, the hardware store, and the sporting goods store. No, we want to go to all of them at one time. Because that would make it more convenient and more easy for us. And now it's gotten to a whole nother level of reversing the curse. Because we have what is known today as Amazon. The one-stop shop where right now you can order toilet paper and it might be at your house by the end of the service, right? <laughs> one-stop, easy, seeking to reverse that curse that comes. It's interesting about Amazon, 8 out of 10 Americans are using Amazon today. They are uh, just really pushing forward on reversing that curse about making things easier inside of our culture. And in fact, this last week, did anybody participate in Prime Day by chance? All right, here you go. So there were um, just the sales on Prime Day just went through the roof. Uh, Amazon Prime Day was this uh, special day for Prime members. For $100, you could buy a bunch of stuff that you probably didn't need, right? And the whole idea was just to boost their sales, and it was all about making things more convenient and easy. In fact, on Prime Day, we uh, found out that there were $2 billion in sales, And you might say, that sounds like a ton of money. Well, on an average day, Amazon in the third quarter brings in a revenue of just a little bit under a half a billion dollars. And their revenue on Prime Day estimated was at one billion dollars. We as a culture want to reverse the curse. We want to make things easier for ourselves. We desire to have this one-stop, easy, and fast experience. If you look at the logo here of Amazon, you'll notice that that they also want to be like Walmart, that one-stop place, the A to the Z, the arrow. That's just to get into our mindset that Amazon has everything from A to Z. We want things to be easy and fast. In fact, They are releasing what are known as these dash buttons. Have you heard of these before? Where literally you can press that button and next thing you know, toilet paper shows up. It's incredible. Easy. One-stop shop. And fast. Desiring to reverse the curse. Now, it does raise the question, though, for us today. Okay, Pastor, you're talking a lot about Amazon. Am I like going to have to delete this app from my phone? Is this really an evil or bad thing? No, it's not. Amazon is not an evil thing in and of itself. But remember, as we talked about at the beginning, our technology is a reflection of us. Amazon helps to reverse a curse in making things seem and appear a little bit easier for us. But it does not reverse the curse. It's found in Genesis chapter 3. And in fact, I would argue it might bring a new curse for us as the people of God today. A new challenge that comes. It's not evil, but it makes things a little bit more difficult for us here today. Uh, Recently, uh, our family, I have three little kids, and uh, it is difficult to corral everybody and get ready for dinner. And uh, when we have dinner, one of our uh, family rules is that we always pray before we have a meal. And now we're getting into the stage with our kids um, that whatever we ask them to do, it always follows with the question, why? You ever been there before? And so uh, this last uh, week, my wife was telling me that the kids were sitting down uh, to eat, and, and she had asked, did you guys pray before you ate? And, and one of my children said, Um, well, why do we have to pray? Why do I have to pray for the food that I'm given? My wife just beautifully stated, well, the reason that we pray is because we're thankful. We're thankful for what God has given us here in this place. It's easy for us to just consume and take in, and it just all of a sudden appears and shows up and tastes good. But we need a moment in time to be reminded of the God who provides for us. The God who brought these things for us here today. And see, the danger for us is that as we live in a culture that just seeks to reverse that curse and make things so easy, we have accessibility to so much. And then that new curse can come. What good would it be, Jesus says, for someone to gain the whole world To have access to everything, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Now we have some creative people here at at Trinity. I must warn you, this is going to be kind of a loud noise right off the beginning. But one of our pastors, uh, Pastor Tony and Dan Franzen, put together this video around this theme. You can check it out. And while that seems kind of silly or or loud, it is incredibly true in our culture today. Sometimes we just fall into this pattern of, I just can't get enough of your stuff. I just want more and more and more. One of my friends on Facebook posted this on Amazon Prime Day. I just saved a bunch of money buying things I don't need on Amazon Prime Day. It's easy for us to fall in this temptation of just wanting more and more stuff. And when we do that, the danger becomes we put our focus in the wrong thing. And we're seeking after the wrong pieces. Uh, There was this story in the scriptures that we just read about a man that comes up to Jesus. And he said to him these words, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? It's interesting because in Matthew's gospel, the writing of Matthew, um, all of the disciples uh, identify Jesus as Lord or the son of David. This man, by how he identifies Jesus, reveals much about who he is and, and how he views Jesus. He calls him teacher, not Lord. And he asks them this question, what must I do to inherit, to have eternal life? Well, the conversation continues. And Jesus said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And it goes, he said, well, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, not commit adultery, not steal, not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man, which we first see that he's a young man at this point, says, all these have kept, but what do I still lack? And then Jesus just has this kind of difficult saying for us today. He says this, If you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Incredible, tough, tough, passage that leaves this young man when he heard this he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions and see oftentimes I've heard this story of the rich young ruler used in trying to boost up tithing on a Sunday I've heard this story used to go to capital campaigns and and put into just like really law-driven motifs And there certainly is a little bit of conviction, a lot of conviction that's found in this passage. But this passage doesn't end here. In fact, there's another group of people who are listening in on this passage. And their reaction is my reaction, and it might be yours today as well. Because the story continues. Jesus turning to his disciples who are listening in on this. He says, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than the rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And I'm so thankful that the scriptures record this next statement by the disciples because they say this, then who in the world can be saved? As we live in a culture that just, is so convenient and filled with just material stuff all over the place, it really does beg the question, who in the world then can be saved? Jesus looked intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with God, everything is possible. See, if we understand this story in the wrong sense, then we all need to go home and have a garage sale, right? Right? And we're going to hang out somewhere uh, that, that we're, where we're going to sell all of our possessions and we got to find Jesus and go follow him, right? But oftentimes what happens with this passage is we miss the heart of what Jesus is showing us here today. In the midst of this reversal of the curse, we, we miss out and we get focused on the wrong thing. And our intention is in the wrong place. One commentator wrote it this way about this story. He said, the command to sell all and to follow Jesus is a complete surprise. It's out of the blue. Jesus challenged disciples to give to those who ask. This is all in Matthew 5.42. To lay up treasures in heaven, not on earth. He was warned of the risk of trying to serve both God and mammon or money. But nowhere else has he insisted that selling one's possessions, And giving to the poor was a condition of discipleship or salvation. So what in the world is Jesus doing here? Well, what Jesus is doing is he's breaking the bank for this rich young ruler. And he's saying that you have found value and worth and identity in the stuff that you have. And your ability to accumulate more and more. The question is not what should I do to inherit eternal life. But what Jesus is doing by this statement is he's saying look up and look to me because I'm the one who gives life. I'm the one who provides eternal life for you. You can't do it on your own. So get your eyes off of yourself and look and focus on me. Now, it's interesting because I would argue that nobody's going to Amazon and saying, okay, how do I inherit eternal life, right? I did it. I did the search for you, all right? Went to Amazon. How do I inherit eternal life? Guess what? There were zero results that came up, okay? But there were two suggestions that came. Uh, apparently, a book, In Living Color, The Kingdom of Heaven for Today by Paul Meyer. I haven't read it. Maybe I should. And then the Bose Sound Doc Series 2 speaker. Because <laughs> Series 1 was just evil, right? I mean, we don't, we don't go to Amazon to ask that question. But what does happen for us in this world in this reversal of the curse that the world is in, is that our focus on material wealth can dominate our lives and take our attention and love away from the God who loves and provides for us. Amazon's not evil, but don't go after it for the place of eternal life. Don't find your value and worth in what it can provide for you and the great sale that you can get from it. It's the wrong place to go but rather we're called to go to God. And it's interesting because Jesus would continually do this in his ministry and he continually does it to us in our lives all the time. He he looks at us and he says, "I need you to look at this differently." I need you to look differently at your neighbor. I need you to look differently at yourself and not go the ways of the world, even though they might be more convenient or easy for us. But I want you to look up and look to me. And sometimes it's not going to be as convenient. Sometimes it's not going to be as easy, but it brings eternal life for you and me. And what's beautiful is that Mark himself would record this same exact story word for word except he would add one really important piece that we need to hear today. In Mark's version of the story, the, the, this man comes to Jesus. They have the conversation about the commandments and then right before Jesus is about to drop the hammer on the piggy bank, he says these words and Jesus looking at him, he loved him. And he said to him, You shall lack, or you lack one thing, go and sell all that you have. See, Jesus says these things not out of hatred or to try to get more money from you, but he does it out of love, out of compassion for even the rich young ruler. And we know that that love and compassion would be seen in his very life that he too would give up everything that he has to reverse the curse, to bring life to you and me. It wouldn't be about just getting a little bit more stuff, but he would empty himself as nothing. Yet being fully God, he would hang on the cross for you and for me out of love and compassion so that we too could experience eternal life with him. But he would say these words, and maybe they ring a little bit more true for us today. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It's a beautiful thing that Jesus gives us, but it does bring us the question, in light of of his good news and what he brings, really maybe the question today is... Where is Jesus saying to you, seek after me first? Maybe it's not material things. Maybe you're satisfied with the the very stuff that you have and you don't even know what Amazon Prime is. But I can guarantee there's something in your life that, that you're finding identity and worth and consuming your mindset over where Jesus is saying, come and seek after me first. I don't know what that is. But I know that this is the challenge for us as we live in a culture and a world that's filled with stuff that we lose our focus and we need to trust in God above and beyond all else. And in the process of doing that, it takes me back to my wife's statement to my kids at the the dinner table, that it leads us back to this place continually about being thankful for what God has provided being thankful for the very gifts that he gives us today. This is when this app brings life to us, when we understand that our identity is found in God and that we seek after his kingdom first. And then all these things will be added to us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the love that you give, the love that you provide. God, it's because of that great mercy that that we experience life. And Lord, often in this world, as we try to reverse the curse, Lord, I pray that we would focus on you, fix our eyes on you, the one who does reverse the curse, the one that keeps us away from you. Father, give us the courage to stand up, to live the calling that you've given us and be bold enough to admit where we are just seeking after something besides you. Lord, help us in this. In Jesus' name, amen.